Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. John! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot route! I don't. What is hot route? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Down! Come on! Ready! Down! Set! Hut! 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 Hit me! Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom 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 nom! It's time for the Soonerscoop.com postgame show presented by Eskridge Lexus in Oklahoma City. Eskridge Lexus is the official travel partner of Soonerscoop.com podcasts. Now, here's your road crew, Carrie, Eddie, and Bob, wrapping up all the action and reaction from this week's game. It wasn't just a game. It was the final game for the Sooners. Is the, uh, the Sooners lose at 45-34 in the Orange Bowl to Alabama in the national semifinal, the college football playoffs. And uh, we are here with you. A little bit of a different crew. Uh, Bob Prisbillo came back. Uh, we are all back from Florida, uh, including, I believe, Josh, who has been in Orlando at the Under Armour All-American practices, went to media day. There was the same day that OU played. Alabama. Uh, Bob is out. Uh, he got caught up in uh, domestic issues. So it's Eddie. Husbandries. Husbandries. Is what we'll call them. At some point, we're going to talk about these issues. I don't know when we're going to be allowed to. We're not right now. Uh, anyway, Josh McQuistian joins us for the post game, Eskridge Lexus post game podcast. Josh, how are you doing? I'm good. And I think we do have to address this before too long because we make. Poor Brittany sound really bad. I think sometimes, like she's holding him hostage, and uh, it's nothing like that. People, she, I mean, it's all good. No doubt she is. I mean, that's what wives do. Well, I mean, not my wife who listens to the pod and is a wonderful <laughs> woman. So, family fun day Sunday. <laughs> is that re- like I've never asked you about? Is that really a thing? No, not for us. Like okay. we we get out when like Sunday. Usually Saturday we'll go out and kind of find something fun to do, you know, whether it's the zoo or go to Dave and Buster's or, you know, like we do something fun with the girls. And then Sunday is usually we're doing laundry and, you know, grocery shopping and really just kind of setting up what's going to come for the week. Now, the last few weeks, it's chaos with Christmas and birthday and travel and all the stuff we've been doing. Eddie, I don't know about you, but I would rather just cover football every day. Like I would have, I would, I would rather fly every weekend than do that. Yeah, that sounds off. Better. <laughs> I keep, I keep Sunday for the Lord though. It's Sabbath. Yes, you are a holy man, but your religion is horns up for peace. True. Well, my religion is winning football, and that's not what we saw in uh, Miami. No, uh, we are back. Uh, it's been a, a hectic few days. We were all over the place, all over many states yesterday. I got home about two a.m. Um, Eddie. Uh, he didn't even bat an eyelash. He went from the end of the game to the airport along with Bob, and they flew back. Eddie had some travel that. issues. Not any issues. I forgot my bag on one of the planes. I had to like <laughs> run down there. I'm like, hey, don't let this plane leave. I have very important information in this bag. You should have said there's a bomb on my bag in so, in, on the plane. That Winked went, at that him. got it for you. Yeah, they probably would have got that thing off immediately. I had to wait around it. <laughs> 30 minutes. Actually, it would have taken seven hours. You would have missed your flight. There would have been dogs involved. We were back in Oklahoma City, so I could have just left the airport. It would have been fine. But I needed the bag because it had the computer in it. So Yeah, that's kind of important. Um, they, were, they, were, they took care of me, and that's why I've always said the TSA is a group that I really respect. Yes. You've never said that before. We've actually had to worry that you were going to be put on a no-fly pass list because of things you've said about the TSA in the past. So that is not true at all. All right, uh, so Sooners, here's kind of what's happened. So the Sooners, the game was over. They had the post-game press conference. Kyler Murray had his last press conference uh, or interview session as a Sooner. Lincoln Riley, uh, the morning after, had a chance to go and be a part of uh, kind of our, our little beat writers thing that has been become a tradition with Bob Stoops the, the morning after the bowl game. Kind of a, um, I don't know what would you call that, a... 
It's like a uh, a media brouhaha of the respected writers of the beat. It's like an exit interview, almost. Yeah, exit in- yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's an exit interview yeah, for the Yeah, it's an exit interview of the head coach for the year. Uh, and it's kind of, you know, there's no more games to be played. It's so. an easier time to lay everything out, I, yeah. I think is the best yeah, way to put it. You can it. talk about the big picture stuff. You can talk about the, the small, like, for instance, like Marquise Brown. That was kind of one of the things that was talked about uh, in that, when Lincoln Riley and OU left Norman, they had no clue if Marquise Brown would be able to play in that game. He hadn't done anything in Norman. So the reason, like, we always kind of wonder, like, okay, is Lincoln screwing with this? Is he? None of that was going on. They just had no idea. And so they got to Miami. And literally, Eddie, I think probably that was the second day that he'd been doing something when we saw him for the first time out there at Florida Atlantic. Yeah, and it really... I don't know. I, it, there's some things that don't add up to me. Uh, I thought that there was a couple interesting comments as far as CD and Kyler from what I saw, what I heard during post game about his mental health as opposed to the actual physical health. Who, Marquise? Yeah, with Marquise Brown uh, talking about they needed him more there mentally. Yeah. As far as I don't, I, I don't know how to. I don't. Do think I guess that, I didn't know how to take that. Are you Are you wondering if this somehow contributed to the slow start offensively? Somewhat. I just I think I, that's legitimate. It was I thought I thought it was weird how that how it was phrased as far as and not to I'm not insinuating that they didn't think he was hurt and that he was kind of dogging it or loafing it either. I it was just it I thought it was very strange the way that it was worded and maybe I just am looking too far into it. Well, you know what? It showed in the game because uh he was he was rusty, he dropped passes, uh he just wasn't the same player. And it was almost like you wonder it's kinda like second-guessing some of the field goals. I mean, like, you can second-guess it all now. Like, should they have just gone ahead and planned their offense as if Marquise Brown was never going to play and just ruled him out? Just know you're not going to have this guy. So stop hoping and praying and wishing that he's going to add this extra dimension to our offense because our offense, we'll, we'll just use Charleston Rambo as our deep guy, which actually worked pretty well. It worked pretty well, but at the same time, I like when we're sitting out there watching him go through practice and go through warm-ups and stuff, I didn't think he looked that bad. No. So, I don't know if it was just like him maybe mentally getting over the injury. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't know. I I just thought it was very strange the way that whole thing went down and and he was, I mean, you could tell there was something wrong with him. Even there was a couple balls over the middle that it looked like he kind of gator arm that he was almost scared to trust his body to go get. Uh, him and Kyler were just off. Same, they weren't on the same page the entire day. Uh, very strange. And then obviously, you know, when you have the shit start that they had, it was they dug themselves a, a hole early. And I mean, I mean, it was before you knew it. I mean, the first quarter, you're, I was sitting there thinking, I mean, these, these two teams are playing different sports right now. Well, and Josh, I think it's it just goes to show you that this this was coming. I mean, we all knew. I've said this a bunch since the game is over with. A lot of people are looking at the last two years like, and I think it was all last year because of the close loss in the Rose Bowl, like uh, Lincoln's cost us a championship because of this defense. And you can sit there and say that again, but I also think you have to say that, yeah, the defense is terrible, but this team, I mean, you've been out in Orlando, Josh. This team isn't exactly going anywhere. I mean, I say Georgia and Oklahoma are the two teams right now in line to put themselves in position with Alabama and and Clemson as stalwarts at the top, you know, of the college football playoff discussion every year. Now, that's going to take a step back next year for Oklahoma until everybody sees what they're going to be offensively. But look, if you're Lincoln Riley, your goal right now and your only goal and the way they're recruiting, it can happen. You have to build a team that can win a championship even a Big 12 championship without a Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback. Yeah, you know, and you're absolutely right because I've talked to a lot of, you know, obviously went through media day with all the kids. I see other kids that aren't even going to OU and they're talking about, you know, playing in that offense and what that would be like. And people trying to put this on, you know, like, oh, the last two years, Lincoln Riley cost us that. Lincoln Riley was hired in the middle of summer. If you want to put this year, that you know, and you want to go with the argument of, okay, Mike should have been gone coming this year, okay, fine. You, you can have that case. If somebody thinks that defense was suddenly going to be a top 30 defense because just someone else was because coaching coach, them, yeah. 
you're not living in reality. That's a young defense that needed time. And I, I, I agree has that no- someone else should have been calling the shots. But that doesn't change what it was going to be this year. They still have no physicality in the secondary, no matter who's yep. coaching them. They still have sure. no edge rushers. They have no ability to create pressure on a quarterback. I mean, look, I I admire the way that Neville Gallimore and Imani Bledsoe and those guys played on the interior because Alabama didn't gash them in the run game. I mean, they were they weren't more physical, but they were as physical at Alabama for the. I mean, the big. Plays came on the outside, the, the passes to the running back out of the backfield. I mean, the touchdown that Jacobs had when he ran over Robert Barnes. Um, I mean, let's, I mean, let's be honest. Curtis Bolton's a great story. He worked his, he bust his ass probably more than anybody out there. Yeah, you're not going to win a national championship at with Curtis Bolton out there. You're not going to win a national championship. But guess what? Before that, with was, a guy like Brian Mead out there. Before that, it was Emmanuel no, Beal, and everybody I, hated him. But he was a, a really good, hard nosed, tough player that did a lot of good things. But for you defense. can't get over that hump and the hump yeah. being Alabama playing those guys. You need better players. And we can trace well, it back, but we can... We, I mean, how often have... How much have we all been bitching about linebacker recruiting? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Okay, I, you, you're exactly right. And I was about to say, that leads me to that comment that you got from Lincoln in that in that uh, exit interview you guys were talking about earlier, where he talked about if you're not recruiting, you you don't belong on this staff. Yeah. And I, not that linebacker recruiting has been awful, but when you compare it to a lot of the other positions, it hasn't been good enough. It just hasn't. Well, I mean, and and that's why I think, you know, I Oklahoma is over the last two years and specifically this year, I think you could say that they overachieved. This team overachieved. And I don't I know because that's because of their offense. Because of their offense. Because yeah. of a historic performances the last two seasons offensively, they've been able to get Lincoln by Riley, a lot of a lot of issues. Lincoln Riley kept them not only relevant nationally, but on the cusp nationally. Yeah. And last year they were a, I mean last year they were closer champion. than this year, right? There's no doubt. Yeah, yeah. They had, I mean, just Oboe alone on defense we, made them a better overall team. We talked about than it they this were this Look at all the guys that made plays yesterday in the NFL that were on that team last year. Jordan Mark Evans is, is having an NFL Jordan career. Evans is another guy. In, Who everybody hated and wanted yeah. to run out of here. That's they, two years They ago. had several guys last year that you thought, okay, in the right moment, this guy could make a play for you. There was no one on this defense this year that you thought, okay, they need a play maybe this guy can come up with it. Like, there was nobody that you had that kind of faith in. Big picture, is Oklahoma closer right now than they were three years ago to winning a national title? Yeah. I don't even think it's close. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. This This is the best position Oklahoma football has been in since between the 2003-2004 season. Because of everything that goes into it. Yeah, because after, remember that 08 season, they lost, I mean, everybody, that 09, well, I'll I'll change that. Going into the uh, 09 season, how about that? Because that's when they lost Jermaine Grisham. Sam Bradford had the shoulder injury at the beginning of the season. Brody Eldridge got his neck broken. I mean, like they had a catastrophic event, a a catastrophic uh, amount of events that happened that just decimated that 09 team that was a you know one of the favorites to win the national title coming in uh and then it was you know the Landry Jones ever since the start of the Landry Jones era which I'm not here to argue where he sits in the pantheon of greats of OU but I think we all since, agree on that since the land, start of the Landry Jones era this is the best position this program's ever been in Josh you'd probably uh, be able to expound more on this subject but just like when we go to these five-star events and when we go to the Under Armour stuff and the Army game does it seem like Oklahoma the brand is in a much better spot than it has ever been just as far as guys that are talking about it there's no question and guys you know the most easy example I can draw I went to the Under Armour game this year this game's been gone for 10 years and I've literally never gone because Oklahoma has had absolutely no presence at that game they and this year, Keith Ford, they've got five commitments and could get another one if they really push for Shimon Cooper. So I, there's no question. Oklahoma is a very different animal. And guys, think about this. Oklahoma is probably going to lose four NFL draft picks on their offensive line this year. A Heisman Trophy winner and maybe the most explosive receiver in college football. Would anybody bet against them averaging 40, yard, or 40 points per game next year? No. Like, I wouldn't. That's how good they've got it rolling with their offensive talent because their offensive line, though they're losing those guys, I'll bet money they're more talented next year than they are this year. They're just going to be inexperienced and not used to working with each other. Look, they could have three five-star receivers coming in next year. 
you got to, I mean, law of averages tell you. You had, I mean, and let's stop for it. CeeDee Lamb, best player. He was the game. He, he was had. the best player on the field for Oklahoma. Yeah, Saturday he was. Night. He made Patrick including Sertan, the Heis- including the Heisman winner. He made Patrick Sertan look like a Big Twelve corner. Eddie, you could make it. Well, no, okay, Quinnen Williams. You could make a case he was the second best player on the field. Yeah, period. Quinnen Williams was the best. Quinnen Williams is is a man. So much better than like I was. I was prepared. I heard Gabe talking like he's the best player that Alabama's had in twenty years, and I was like, you know, okay, whatever. And then you go back and you watch some of the first half I, I did uh, yesterday. Uh-huh. Just like, oh my god, I've got this it on guy. DVR. I've got this guy is just killing it. people. Anybody can listen to all of our old pods. Knows this pod has a ton of love for Ben Powers. He ate Ben Powers alive. I mean, just ate him up. By the way, you talked about the brand. I asked Lincoln Riley about that uh, in what I would term our exit interview with him yesterday uh, at the team hotel. And here's kind of. How that conversation went? Uh, yeah, I mean, I just think the brand is—it's good. I, I feel like we've <clears throat> started to—we kind of started out a few years ago saying, "Hey, we gotta—we gotta be, you know, more current. We got to evolve." And I feel like a lot of that has happened. There's still more to happen, but it's—it's it's now to me, OU's kind of become that that historically great spot with all the tradition all that but it's also one of the pretty cool spots right now too you know and it's uh which is a good a good mix and i think that's why we're recruiting the way we are and and that's obviously i think one of the first places that you see it and so a lot of people have invested to help get that done do you is is there a level that you need to discuss now as a program, as an athletic department, in terms of facilities improvements that you need to keep in that arms race. Yeah, I think the biggest key is, you know, is faculty maybe even. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the biggest thing is you just can't you can't get stagnant, you know. And and as long as we, I mean, like you said, you just named all the things that have happened here in the last three or four years. You know, and some of those things don't just happen overnight. But you've got to, you've got to keep doing that. You've got to keep evolving. You've got to keep pushing the envelope, and that's a big part of my job, big part of Joe's job. You know, to continue to do that, and we're, you know, we're both committed to doing it. So, I mean, I just, we keep doing that. I just don't, you know, it's hard to do, but I just, I don't know what's going to stop us. And you mentioned, you know, being in Orlando. Can I just add on top yeah. of everything that I've heard out of yesterday's notes? And you put, you wrote two articles about it yesterday. All the quotes are up on Sooner Scoop's uh, Twitter page. Can we put to bread or can we put to bed the Lincoln Riley to the NFL talk? That's, yeah. I mean, everything that we heard yesterday, that is a guy that is as invested in a program as you can get, right? I mean, am I just not like being hopeful no, about no. that? No, I mean, in the comments, they read stronger maybe than they, you know, I'll play him for you. I mean, I've got the kid. He was asked again about, you know, recruiting and uh, all the NFL rumors and how he handles that with kids and their parents. Uh, and he'd sort of addressed it, but uh, he also gives you an indication of, of where he is right now, where his mindset is right now that. He believes all this stuff he's saying, how close Oklahoma is. I mean, he wasn't just, you know, bullshitting after the game. He does really think that this program is going to hoist up a uh, that weird-looking national championship trophy. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's been a question, and I get it. I mean, if I were if I were them and their families, I would ask it too. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't think it's changed. I mean, if anything, last night just makes me hungrier to. We've gotten a lot done here. You don't you don't sit there and say well, we didn't we didn't get done. We got a lot done, but we know there's a little more left to get done, and I feel like we're about to do it. And so I, I don't know, it just makes me even hungrier just to keep going what we got going here. And so I think just just honesty, and like I've said, I'm not it's not I don't see that as a step up, not in this profession, and I don't. It's not a burning desire of mine by any stretch right now. I mean, not even close. I, that's, that doesn't even compare to my burning desire to win a national championship here. And, you know, guys, I think part of that is it's like, you know, the, the report came out that Matt Campbell today wouldn't even talk to the Jets, wouldn't even interview. Oh, I, I hadn't seen that. Yeah like, yeah. like, I mean, that's the thing. Like, what job is Lincoln? What jobs are available for Lincoln right now? It's, Can it's, I make a hot prediction real quick, by the way? Sure. For the Jets? Yeah. Jim Harbaugh. I could see it. I know that he's they put said the right has, money in front of him. I know that he said that he has no interest, but I think that'd be really funny. All right, continue. Sorry. What job is in the NFL, even the Browns' job? I mean, 
yeah, you have Baker there. You have a decent defense, but is that really a team? I I think John Dorsey's done a great job with draft picks, but that's still for your well-being and your family and your life. Is that a better job than Oklahoma with no. the support staff? He's I mean, look at the way this way. Look at Oklahoma, the way the NFL has cleared house today. Yeah, I like, mean, the NFL's crazy. as cutthroat as the as college is. And you'll make a bunch of money, but I mean, he's young enough; he doesn't have to worry about getting a big payout if it doesn't work out. I mean. He has spent the last two years reshaping Oklahoma's, just the stuff he talked about, the brand, reshaping their recruiting department, reshaping facilities. I mean, and it is going to be interesting because I don't know if that means kind of talking about renovating what they've already done to make it, you know, make it even better, or if that means starting to have a discussion finally about the West Side stands, starting to make another push for that to see if you can do that. Um, I think if it came down to doing picking something one to or the, the other, indoor, maybe I don't you know. just take that money and throw it at some more. Uh, I could see them take that money and throw it at more support support staff yeah. stuff. Yeah, like you brought it up with him, and I I thought it was interesting that and he, he didn't. Well, and he, yeah, and he didn't say like, oh, we don't need that or anything yeah. like that. It, I mean, that's definitely something that is part of the package, and that's why his focus has been on recruiting and why they're where they are with a third straight top ten class. Yeah. And probably a top five class. I think say and got a chance to do uh, basically something that hasn't been done in about fifteen years at Oklahoma. So it's literally since I graduated high school, guys. The, the last time OU had three straight top ten classes was like oh four to oh six. And and in those classes, the you go back and look, the top one hundred guys didn't pan out in most of those. In a lot, of, I mean, like oh six, you had Gerald, and you know, like it's obviously Sam had a you know great career, Jermaine Gresham. But yeah, there were a uh, 05 is a, a historically bad class was as that, far as how Zach, many guys missed. Was that the Zach Latimer class? No, Latimer was 02 okay. and that that had a lot of misses. Um 02, 03, I mean there, there there's a reason there was that gap for a, a couple of years for Oklahoma where Between they really missed. 04 and 08, yeah. Yep, yep. So, but at the same time, the 06 class is what made 08 so special. So, you know, that that was the Gresham the kind of, and Bradford and McCoy. Yeah. Yep. That was the backbone. I mean, and, you know, uh, uh, oh, God, Frank, uh, Dominique Franks. I kept saying that, trying to say Denison Franks. I knew that wasn't right. You know, you go through, I mean, like, even the secondary guys were really good players from that group. Well, and, I mean, you're, you've been in Orlando, um, so I wanted, let's talk about the defense and kind of rebuilding that. But you've seen Joseph Wete, you've seen Jeremiah Cradell. Um, what's kind of been your impressions of, of some of the defensive guys they're bringing in uh, that you saw down there competing against other top players? Well, the thing that stood out to me, obviously, you know, and I've talked about it in a lot of stories on the board and some of the content we put out. Uh, and actually, I'm working on a story right now. should have that done, you know, hopefully before everybody starts drinking too heavily tonight uh, for New Year's. But um, I, I think the thing that strikes me is – you're not seeing the guys that don't have size. Like, Jaden Davis is a smaller corner, but he's also pretty physically developed. Like, he's not 5'10", 160. He's 5'10", 180. I mean, like, he's got some frame to him. Um, Jeremiah Cradell is a very, like, he's kind of a spark plug looking guy. Very, very physically developed. He looks like a guy. He's crazy looking. Yeah, that does play at a program like Modern Day where they've got a real weight program and they, they put in work in the offseason and that kind of stuff. It, let me ask you, is he would he be the biggest guy in OU secondary right now, just, just physically just frame wise? Um, no. Chance Sylvie. Chance Sylvie is He's looking good. Yeah. And he's long in too. A, yeah, in a very heterosexual way. <laughs> Chance Sylvie is he is jacked. Like he I saw him uh God, when was that? It was like the beginning of the year like september or something because yeah. it's still a uh, warm out uh-huh. he had a shirt off before the game it's just like jesus christ that guy is jacked hmm. uh I, I would say a good comp for him would be uh trey brown very like trey's big sturdy kind of fit you know kind of the same size he might be a little taller than trey but not much i mean i would say they're pretty comparable uh jeremiah he took a little while to get going in the first practice i saw um I, watching actually right now, um, they've got some of the practices live um, and watching some of that right now. But with with Jeremiah, I, I thought he, he kind of had ups and downs. And I still think there is that question of, is he a corner? Is he a safety? Where does he fit in? But there's no question he can play. So, like, it, it's a problem that they'll sort out one way or another. Uh, with Joseph Wete, 
he is he is long and lean right now. Uh, probably, I mean, he's a pretty legit six foot four. I would say he's two twenty, two twenty five. Yeah, maybe bigger than that, two thirty. I mean, like not just not a huge guy at this point in time. But also watched him run around an offensive tackle on one play, and then on his next one on one, he he kind of faked in outside and then went back inside. So he's got some things that make me think, okay, th- this guy could be a player and. We just put up his interview on the site. Um, go watch that. It's a free one, even for people that aren't members. Go watch it. He is an incredible interview. Great guy to talk to. It was really fun just to kind of let him let him go and talk about whatever he wanted to. He's the kind of guy, you know, we talk about the defense needing leadership. He seems like that kind of guy. Really kind of an interesting guy just for the fact, and you bring it up in the interview, Josh, of, He's a guy that committed from Washington D.C. Never had seen the campus. I don't rem- I don't think if I remember right, and then held through it the entire way, even through the Mike Stoop stuff. Oh yeah, and he actually had. He came in for an official visit. Uh, he was at the spring game. Oh, that's right. He was okay. kind of the last one that did come in. But but you're still right. I mean, like if there's any guy in the class that you would have totally understood, you know, I don't know. Cause I don't, he came to Oklahoma for 48 hours in his whole life. Um, lost the coach that would have been his position coach in all likelihood, but really it gives some credit to Shane Beamer, a guy that we haven't talked a lot about as a recruiter, but he's talked at length about how much he respects coach, you know, coach Beamer loved him really. You know, he said Beamer started recruiting him back when he was still at Georgia. So they kind of had a pre-existing, And I think that he really is the one that made sure everything was going to be fine. And I, Joseph, like I said, he's never wavered. There's never been rumors of, Oh, he may visit here. He may do that. He committed and he was done. You know, you, I know a lot of people are listening to the pod and they're like, look, season's over. Why don't you tell us about defensive coordinator? Who's it going to be? And that, I mean, look, that's going to be the focus. We're going to be focusing on that a lot. Uh, I still think that, you know, Alex Grinch, with all the Pete Golding, while all that Pete Golding stuff was going on, I still think that Alex Grinch was the number one guy on Lincoln Riley's list. We'll see how that all works out. I, I mean, certainly Pete Golding's not a guy that if you can get him, you get him. But that was some of what happened yesterday at the, at, as we're calling it, the exit interview with Lincoln Riley. Uh, and here's some of Lincoln talking about his defensive coordinator hire. Some give and take. I mean, we've got a couple of weeks here, you know, before we're out on the road. And honestly, now, probably not as important as it would have been two years ago. Now that the you know early signing day has passed and the yeah. majority of our guys are, are signed, and so it's more important just to get the right guy. You know, more important to to, to you know to get that thing where we need it to be. So I'm gonna take take a step back here. You know, I've, like I told you guys, I've been you know laser focused on this game, and and you know now just kind of adapt and didn't even think about really what was going to happen if we didn't win I just didn't even consider that and so uh, now I'm going to take a step back you know look at the schedule you know you know taking some time to reflect always learn from my mentor big decisions like this you gotta you gotta take a step back and look at the whole picture you know with a clear mind so I mean I'm not gonna I'm not gonna wait around and drag my feet but I'm gonna make sure we get the you know very best, very best person we can. And I would assume that that would mean very best person not dragging his feet means you have to wait until all the games are over. Unless so, you, let's I mean, see, when does Ohio State play? Uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. yeah so, they're playing the Rose Bowl yeah. tomorrow. Those fine media members getting to enjoy a fantastic bowl game. We spent a lot of time around the Alabama media while we were down in uh, Miami, Gary. I, I walked out of there, and not to say that we got a bunch of like just great insight on what's going to happen with Pete Golding, but I walked yeah. out of there thinking that ship's probably sailed. Yeah, I did too. It just and it makes sense. It makes sense. It, I mean, it goes back to what I've been saying for a long time now. Which, if you're in Pete Golding's situation, where, like, look across the country, how many defensive coordinators outside of the Alabama program are getting head coaching jobs? Like, if you're a defensive coordinator, that's and you want to be well, a head coach, that's one, where you go. One did. One just did at a pretty premier. Manny Diaz? Oh, no, that's what I was getting ready to say. Is oh, my God. Just like, I can't believe it. Like, I saw that last night. I didn't think it was real. I thought that was fake. Everybody in the Big 12 is like, Manny Diaz is still in coaching? 
Yeah, exactly. Well, Miami is clear. I mean, that's such a Miami. I mean, that that shows you why Miami has become what they are. I mean, it was a uh, Al Golding. You know, it was it was funny. It's like, wait, you, I saw some memes like, wait, you just hired the Temple head coach, and they showed a picture of Al Golding. Just a retread. He's he's been a retread as a defensive coordinator. He's made a career out of it. I mean, he's been a retread as a defensive coordinator for over a decade now. I don't get it. I I just I don't get he it. He got banished to Memphis and still made his way back. I was talking to some people about then this was before the Diaz news broke last night. We were at that practice in in uh, Orlando and we're we're sitting there on the sidelines and it's Rob Casty's one of them, a guy that lives in Miami, covered the state of Florida in recruiting uh, for us. And then a couple of them were just Miami beat, you know, kind of beat recruiting guys. And we're talking and they're like it's just it, at Miami, the inmates run the asylum. All the old players, they live in Miami. They come back to Miami. They all have radio shows or even just call into the radio shows. And whatever they say goes. So basically what I heard is that Rick wanted to stay, but every a bunch of old players lined up against him and basically said, this guy's garbage. He's got to go. So I just want to point they out, just ran him out of town. the disgusting racist statement that Josh just made. Is not condoned by Kerry Murdoch. Sup, Arkansas Sooner. <laughs> you said the uh, inmates run the insi- asylum. Uh, yeah, racist. well, I mean, I, I'm talking. Because oh, there, no, right. there are no that white does get former into that. Miami That's players. not. It's just you've got unintended people that racism, be making Josh. Making decisions. No, you're, you're right. No, you're but, right. no. I, I mean, we all know that the former Miami players are the same ones they did two thirty for thirties about. They had to do two because yeah. they were so insane. Because they destroyed the program not once but twice. So yeah, but those same people carry a lot of value, and it's not because they're black. That crazy, craziest person I've ever met on Twitter. No, no. Do you want to know the one that got mentioned? And I'll, I'll challenge either one of you to know which era of Miami football he played in. Brett Romberg. A former white offensive lineman was the one that I've heard has a lot of sway hmm. because he has a local radio show. Never heard. We of the couldn't guy. even find any local radio stations that were talking sports in Miami. Yeah, Brett Brett Romberg was in the Butch Davis era. Was a pretty good. I mean, he was a pretty good player. But I'm like, I get it if Ed Reed calls in, like, cool, like you understand. But Brett Romberg, like, what? Why is he getting anybody excited? He has ten thousand followers. He's a nobody. Wow, ten thousand followers, and he's hiring people. To be fair, in Miami, that's like half the stadium on a Saturday. That fair enough. Such a weird program. Anyway, but no, Manny Diaz. What if Manny Diaz left Miami to become Oklahoma's next defensive coordinator? <laughs> just like I don't want to he's sign just up for this again. To moving jobs, maybe he is. You know, guys, that that's the interesting thing about this to me because I think we all three are in agreement. This is moving in the right direction for Oklahoma. Every Absolutely. all the momentum is up. This hire to me decides where it goes. Yeah, it's a massive hire. It's the it's the biggest hire that OU outside of the you know outside of Lincoln Riley. It's mm-hmm. probably the biggest move that I'll, this program is going to make in the I'll next. I'll tell you years. how big this is. Is college football over the next five years? going to be run by Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia, or is it going to be run by Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, and Oklahoma? Do they want a a seat at the table, at the big boy table is what you're saying? I think we're all forgetting Ohio State a little bit, but I I definitely know what you mean. Ohio State is in there if that that transition is a smooth one. If they get Justin Fields and they they win the Big Ten next year, congratulations, Iowa State, or Ohio State, you've got a seat at the table. Yep, yep. Oh, I mean, like I said, that that's and that's how good it is. I mean, the thing that everybody gets, I, I get all these people, you know, like, oh, clearly rivals had all these guys overranked. No, there is some really good talent on Oklahoma's defensive side of the ball. They've got to figure out how to piece it all together, like because it's just not working right now. And they need a front four. They need it. They need edge rushers. Th- they need that defensive line group from the 2018 class. They to be need, the guys they can be. They just need a Charles Tapper. They don't need a, an oboe or a striker. I mean, they need they need Geno Grissom. They need some. They need. They don't even. There's no middle ground on their defensive line. They either have guys that play or guys that don't. Yep. And 
Ronnie Perkins and Jalen Redmond can be better than Geno Grissom and Charles Tapper. Yeah, I think a like guy they like, have the ability. The, the, just, for, the, do they get there? The forgotten guy in all of this is like a Michael Thompson that <laughs> oh, I thought yeah. was going to play at some point this in, during his freshman season, and then he has the ACL injuries, not able to play. I mean, can a Laurent Stokes come in and be a guy that yeah, gives you he anything? Has to. He has to. Yep. With the Bledsoe thing, and there's, I mean, like we look at it now, clearly. Oklahoma came to the decision they didn't feel good about where Bledsoe was at, and that's why Stokes became so critical. Uh, the other thing about the defensive coordinator position is what is that going to do to the staff uh, that is here now, and uh, how many changes will the, the will they undergo? Lincoln Riley did address that in the exit interview as well. We're going to see how it plays out. I, I you know, probably probably would look at the new coordinator first, um, and then. Uh, because I don't, we got good people in that room. We got good coaches and uh, good recruiters, people that are loyal to this place, people that have been great to me personally, people I trust. And so I don't, I don't see this as a, well, all of a sudden we're just going to clean house and start from scratch there. I don't, I don't see it there. I mean, bringing in a new coordinator, you're kind of doing that a little bit mm-hmm. on its own. And so, um, yeah, I mean, you just, at the end of the day, like it, like it, the pieces fit when, when, you know, Dennis and I came in here a few years ago, um, you know, offensively, you got to just, there's, there's right pieces in place and they fit and the people worked well together and, and you've seen, you know, four years of results there. And so, you know, we've got to, we've got to, we've got to get that the same way on that side. Yeah. I mean, I look, don't, everybody wants to panic about, oh, if he keeps this guy or that guy. Just let the defensive coordinator get hired first because, to me, Josh and, and Eddie, both you guys, when that guy gets hired, I think it's going to be a hire where everybody's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I'm excited about that hire. And you're also going to say, well, he's not going to keep any dummies around. Like, yeah, just no, let I, that guy be named first. I think at the end of the day, you just got to trust Lincoln Riley. Why would you not trust Lincoln Riley? What he's Every decision that he's made outside of you really want to get nitpicky and, you know, bang on different plays that he called in big games. Uh, how could you not trust what, what has happened and what he's doing with, with the program? And by the way, like Lincoln said, when he was, Josh, when he was hired as an offensive coordinator, the assistants were more of an afterthought on offense. I mean, you got rid of Josh Heupel, which everybody wanted at the time. Uh, you brought in Lincoln Riley, which, you know, he brought in Dennis Simmons, but you knew Bill Biedenboe was a great offensive line coach. You knew Kale Gundy was a great recruiter. And Jay Buller is a fairly new guy that you know didn't really have a whole lot of responsibilities other than special teams, and he was a position coach. So nobody was crying about, you got to get rid of this guy or that guy. Defensively, it's kind of the same way. I mean, you know who's performing and who's not. You know Calvin Thibodeau's performing. Everybody else, it's up in the air. Yeah, I... I, you know, I think we all agree Thibodeau will be back. Like that, it's really hard to see any way that doesn't play that way, just based on things we've heard about and you know the, and if the rumors back, that are out there. And if he's not back, he's not going to find he's not going to have a hard time finding another job fast. That's a, that's a fact, especially that, in this region. He'll get hired by yep. Baylor, by Kansas, by hell, Oklahoma State would probably try and come after him. There are some places that I probably would bet would pull a Manny Diaz and. Even after they'd hired someone else, be like, well, you know, now that Calvin's on the market, we'd like, I mean, there is a lot of respect for him nationally. I mean, it's, I guess, definitely regionally and growing nationally, because like I said, that 2018 defensive line class quietly was one of the better ones in the country as far as its upside. So now it's on Calvin to develop that group. So I I think there's a lot of love there. Can I, can I throw out our, is this racist segment today? Yeah, let's go. Uh, Calvin Thibodeau might as well be Samoan in the Big 12. Does that make sense? I'm, I, I need more. Uh, well, you know how like everybody's like, oh, well, you got to hire you know, Tosh Lapoy, you got to hire Salavea. Like, he'll sure. bring in all the Polynesian kids. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Calvin Thibodeau is just kind of like that for this region. We don't have a lot of Samoans or Polynesians, but there are very few defensive linemen in this part of the country and he tends to be a guy that can get them to come to your school. Gets them in You're the right. race. He gets them in the race. If I'm telling you guys, if Marvin Wilson had been in 2018 instead of 2017, Oklahoma might have landed him. And Marvin's a kid I knew really, really well. He just, Calvin was always playing catch up with Marvin. Yeah. 
and it, it was just a tough fight. And you know, like, and that's fine. But I mean, he has run some races really tightly. And I, there's somebody on the board brought up today, Jerry Montgomery again. Like, stop it! Please stop it! Stop it! I, stop it! Look at if you. I mean, and I think Jerry Montgomery is a good recruiter. I believe that. But you look at what he brought in in his few years and compare it to what Calvin brought in, if it, it's recruiter, not even close. Yeah, recruiter, recruiter, fine. Evaluator, no. If Jerry Montgomery was this some goddamn great defensive mind recruiter, he would be back in the college ranks by now, right? Well, remember the debacle at A&M, too? Yeah, he was there for like a week. Why I was just, that? I don't know. I, I think that a lot of times Oklahoma fans in particular like to use examples that benefit them the most when it's not reality. Does Jerry, that make sense? Jerry's a good guy, but I, think say, I like Jerry. I don't want this to be an attack yeah. on him. It, no, it's no, not no. that. Yeah. There's just weird baggage with him. And I there was staff upheaval when he was here. Uh, it's weird what happened at Texas A&M. I, it, it's more trouble than it's worth to me. Yeah. There, there's something that's amiss there. And I don't always know what it is, but something like when Jimbo Fisher has concerns that's concerning like uh, there's no other way to say that That, that's a problem and here's the other thing you have calvin you have calvin you're gonna have to have look i know people are are talking about oh well you move ruffin in an administrative role i don't know if that's going to be the case because i think the benefit of having ruffin around is that he has daily interactions with your players is that he is a guy that can be that good cop, that can, you know, if you have a heavy, he's a guy that can keep guys head-centered, that can keep kids from, you know, getting frustrated and wanting to quit and transfer and all that stuff. I, and I, I don't he's disagree like your with that. Bear. Yeah. But like, I mean, like, you could put him in football ops or something, you know, like working kind of with Drew Hill in some sort of way, you know, something like that. Like, I guess you could get there. But my... My deal is, you know, and Lincoln talked about it in that exit interview of whoever we're going to hire, that guy's going to be a recruiter. He's going to do those things. It's 100% clear to anybody that watches recruiting with Oklahoma, Ruffin McNeil cannot get on a plane and fly to 12 different spots in two weeks and do that. I mean, people don't understand. That's a grind in the spring evaluation period, in the winter when you're trying to go and close your guys down. He can't do that stuff. Like, it, it's just, I mean, it's not like, I don't think it's a work ethic thing. The guy, he's an older guy. I mean, there, there's a lot of stress and strain and that I just don't little, think fits him. And he's had and a so lot of I, health issues over his Yeah, life. yeah. And, and so, I, like I said, I, I think it's, I don't, it's nothing against Ruffin. I think it's just you're asking him to do something that's not, not in his best interest, whether, you know, we're talking about the job itself or just his own personal health. By the way, uh, I haven't mentioned this, uh, but want to thank Eskridge Lexus and Coop Works, both of those, uh, for uh, being the sponsors of our post-game pods while, or our daily pods while we've been in Miami. Uh, the way things worked out, we didn't do one of meat laughing because we thought it'd be better to do this one, and I can't disagree at all. It would have been rushed trying to do a 30-minute pod after the game, uh, and this kind of gives us a chance to bring Josh in for Orlando, but... Uh, EskridgeLexus.com at Eskridge and the folks have been uh, unbelievable to be uh, our first year, one of our major sponsors in this, along with Coop Aleworks. Uh, CoopAleworks.com, go check them out on their website. Uh, nine years they've been a local brewery here in Oklahoma producing. Unbelievable. We've all had it. We've all, uh, it, it, is, it does elevate uh, your experience with beer, and you can go to your local liquor store and get it cold. So, uh, go go to coopbellworks.com. Go find out where you can go get your beer. And thanks to Ed Eskridge. Uh, don't forget, even December to remember winding down, uh, you're still, if you walk in and say, hey, give me this. I'm a Sooner Scoop listener. I'm a, I'm a podcast listener. I'm a subscriber. Uh, give me the Sooner Scoop deal. And uh, he'll take he'll, he'll take care of you in your next Lexus purchase. So EskridgeLexus.com. Thanks to both of those for being the sponsors. So, guys, I, I think, you know, Lincoln talked about it a couple weeks before they start doing in-homes for the second recruiting signing period. Uh, Josh, I know you're going to be on your way to San Antonio uh, to uh, to the under not the under the All American Games. I guess that's you always want to call them the Army, but they're not that anymore. So Jaden Hazelwood, kind of the big thing there. Uh, you're going to have Trajan Bridges. You're going to have Spencer Rattler. Imagine you'll probably get to talk to Spencer Rattler a little bit about uh, his excitement level now that the next era is starting up for Oklahoma offensively. I absolutely. And I kind of can't wait to see 
what he has to say about embracing that. You know I mean? Because he knows. I mean, I, Oklahoma was tweeting stuff about him being maybe their next Heisman guy before this season started, and they realized they had their next Heisman guy on campus. So it, there is, I, he knows it's there, and he's a guy that I, I think has no problem with people expecting a lot from him. I think Spencer Radler kind of embraces that mentality. But I want to see what he has to say about it, what he thinks about it, just kind of what that means to him to be the guy that everybody's kind of counting on to be the next superstar for Oklahoma's offense and how he juggles that with, okay, I've got to go in and compete and learn from Austin Kendall and Tanner Mordecai. He's going to, I don't know how his game is going to look, but he is definitely going to be that guy that I think gets a lot of Patrick Mahomes comparisons when he starts to elevate his game on the college level don't you think i think there's some of that i mean because you know the funny thing is anybody i've ever talked to around the program about spencer rattler they kind of say the same thing watch him spin it watch it come off his hand it's different than other guys and i think sometimes people assume that you have to look like ryan mallet to really be that oh man that dude can put it anywhere at any time that kind of thing. And that's not the way it is. Rattler just has a very live arm and still also has the accuracy that has really been the hallmark of Oklahoma's quarterbacks since Lincoln Riley arrived. So there is a lot to build on. And obviously having the week to work with Trajan Bridges, to spend some more time with him like he did at uh, the opening in the summer, or, you know, spend some time with Jaden Hazelwood, who obviously, um, Theo Weiss incited something of a riot earlier this week with. Let me ask you this. If Hazelwood ends up announcing that he signed with Oklahoma, do we immediately go on Justin Fields' watch after that? I talked to some people in Atla- oh, excuse me, in Orlando that, that kind of know the family, know him, uh, know some of the people that would be involved in that decision. And Ohio State's kind of what people are hearing. That seems to be what everybody's kind of expecting. Now, the thing is, it always ends with the caveat of, but Oklahoma makes so much sense. You know, so I I don't think anyone, like, there's no one that knows what's going on there. And uh, we'll have to see what happens. But there is no question that Hazelwood and Fields are friends. It would help Oklahoma. And it makes you wonder if at least Fields would come out and take a visit at that point. And then you kind of see where things are. But I don't know how much of it's going to be based on new information for Fields or if he's going to go with things he was familiar with during his you know, his high school recruitment. Because I keep hearing Florida State coming up. Hmm. I don't know how Florida State comes up at all unless he's just saying, well, I knew them back when. Yeah, it's interesting. You would think somebody that though that made that decision, and and maybe he's already been through a situation where he got he went in where someone was a, a former number one or a really high highly rated kid in uh, from. Maybe he just doesn't want it. Maybe he wants to go to a a place that's more. I mean, nobody's sitting there saying uh, what's his name, um, QB one kid Tate Martell. Mm-hmm. Is like unbeatable. Oh, and how, well, Tate Martell is saying, saying that. No, Tate Martell's the only one saying that. Yes. Did you see his tweet? That oh, yeah. was amazing. Oh yeah. Don't that, don't miss again or something like uh-huh. that. Uh huh. Yep. And he's not wrong. Justin Fields makes the wrong choice this time, and it gets uh, you know people start wondering if maybe he just wasn't the guy everybody thought he was. The other thing is this this whole thing about I don't understand all the questions about Austin Kendall and would he transfer like. There is no better situation for a quarterback in college than what Austin Kendall faces right now. I would say that he, right now, he goes into the spring at least with a little bit of a head start on everybody, right? So why is he going to transfer? Right. Why is that even a question? I think that there's a lot of people that just think that he flat out sucks. Like, I I tweeted out a picture after the game of Austin Kendall walking off the field and said something like, up next, and... I straight up got ratioed by people like saying, oh, he sucks. He, why would that be the guy? Be like, first off, you people are losers if you if that was your first instinct to reply yeah. to that. You're angry about the game. I understand they're, that. They're, they're venting, yeah. But, Throwing I mean, tantrums. I, I think he has a leg up on a bunch of guys here going into the next year. Look, if you get beat out by Tanner, by Tanner Mordecai, it doesn't matter where you transfer to. You get beat out by a freshman that hasn't taken a snap, 
it's just football's not for you at this level. Right. Austin Kendall was the number 77 overall player in the country. People like treat him like he's just some chopped liver. Like he's a walk Dude, He a, had to yeah. sit behind yeah. two Heisman winners. Yeah, like he got beat out by the number one overall pick and maybe the guy who probably had the greatest season in Oklahoma football history. Like that's nothing to be ashamed of. I don't I, I, there's so many things like, you know, it's just like it's just like the mentality of any I mean, it's like that mentality of Oh God, Lincoln Riley screwed up. He he lost his chance to win a national championship. He wasted two Heisman Trophy winners. I don't see it that way. I don't see how anybody could see it that way unless you're just that defeatist of a personality. Like Oklahoma football is in a really good place right now. The recruiting classes, everything, the the talent that's coming in on both sides of the ball, they're gonna they're going to get to pick their you know they get their pick of the litter for defensive coordinator. They get every opportunity to remain where they've been. I don't. There's no reason that they're gonna take a step back into just being mediocre. So, and it's just like with Austin Kendall, it's like I don't under. It's it's just this so woe is me thing that always seems to happen with a lot of Oklahoma fans. I don't I don't get it. I get it a little bit just in that I mean they they have they've not wasted but they've wasted two They've wasted. Two they have. historic offenses that No, but it's like on any about, I, on I, any have team they wasted, if they would have they wasted or have they put themselves in a position they never should have been in in the first place because they were so good on offense like we yeah, talked about you earlier. Can, you can look at it both ways like that. I, I do think I, I would probably side with... I would probably side with they wasted, though. I mean, if you would have just had a top 50 defense, they probably win back-to-back national championships. But they didn't have anything close to that. Right. They were exactly. terrible. Right. They never well, should have made it to a... Co- a team with that defense should never have made it to the college football playoff. They never should well, have. And that's fine. Like I, I, I totally agree that it speaks to how good the offense was. But the only, what are, your goal is not. Well, hopefully we're pretty good on both sides of the ball. Goal's national championship, and your offense gave you every opportunity to do that. And your defense just had to be not horrific dumpster fire. But they, and they were. Just couldn't be. But they were. I mean, they, yep. that was just a fact of the matter. They were. I know that's yep. not, people are like, that's not good enough. That's not, Lincoln Riley had no, and, and look, I can understand that Lincoln Riley should have made changes after the, the, after the Rose Bowl. That's fine. He did eventually. It was too late. That's on him. But he took over a program where he was handed the keys and his boss's brother was a defensive coordinator. There's nothing he could do about it. Now, it's fi- this was the price of the transition to Lincoln Riley, having this defense the last two years. Instead of running off a 7-5, seven 7-5, and five, seven and five, he ran off he two ran 12 off and two, twos. 12 and twos yes. and two playoff appearances. Yep. And that's, oh, that's so tough for tell me how you're Tell me how it's going to get worse from here. That's I think that's something that is just tough to swallow for Oklahoma fans as well. Is and the he's fact got that, the number one quarterback coming in next year. Yeah. I mean, yep. the recruiting from a recruiting standpoint and from a building standpoint, we've kind of rehashed this throughout the entire podcast. It's in really good shape right now. It's just about getting back to that level. And I think it's 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 okay to be not fearful, but it's okay to expect some type of drop-off when you're losing another Heisman winner, when you're losing probably four of five offensive linemen or po- very much three of, of five. Look, I mean, this there's is, a chance Bobby comes back. This is no longer... It used to be, you know, Bob won a national championship. It used to be, well, you know, like 2005. That year, when they went through it and they lost to UCLA and got embarrassed and, and it, everybody's like, well, I remember the Blake eras. This is not so bad. Like, you don't even have to be that guy anymore. Be the guy that says, remember 2014? Because I certainly sure as hell remember standing in the Citrus Bowl and the bowels of that thing interviewing coaches and players after they got their asses kicked by Clemson. After everybody got fired and Lincoln Riley came in, like, you're not too far removed from, what was that, eight and five? Yep. Is that what that team finished at? Yep. Going nowhere? Now you're four years later and you're there. You're one of the true blue bloods in college football right now. Uh, to me, the bottom of the spectrum next year with an, a very young offense, a defense that at this point in time has no identity, I, I think nine wins is the bottom of the barrel for that team next year. And yeah. I, if they won 10, it wouldn't shock me at all. And their schedule sets up exactly. nice. UCLA, of it. I mean, it's and but this South is, Dakota State this or whatever. Is, from a physical standpoint, 
this is going to be one of the most talented teams Oklahoma's had probably since 2008. They just need time. They're really, really young next year. If they win, I mean, this will be kind of like the 2006 season for them next year. Mm-hmm. But like you said, bet me that OU's not going to find a way to score 40 a game next year. Yep. And how many teams can TCU can be as good as they want defensively next year? They ain't scoring 40 with any regularity because they just have nothing going on offense right now. Yeah. OSU, I mean, OSU, I don't know what they're going to be at quarterback. I mean, the fact that they haven't taken a chance on Spencer Sanders all year is probably troubling a little bit. Oh, the team that... Texas is, I mean, that's the team. It's Texas. That's the team that's going to be kind of the... Brock Purdy, somebody to watch, but uh, we'll see if Hakeem Butler declares for the draft. Yeah, I I think Iowa State's just kind of there. They're they're good. They're they're a good team. Iowa State's that team. Like I I was able to watch their bowl game. Iowa State's that team that makes everyone in the Big 12 proud that Iowa State's in the Big 12. Yeah. Like, they play hard. They play real football. They do things that, that make you go, wow, that, that's a really talented team at times. In a good year. But they don't, they don't threaten your supremacy. <laughs> it's probably not the same this year because I think they're having a little bit of a down year, but they're, they're like a Michigan State. Yeah. They're like a Michigan State, middle of the road program probably a high side you could get if you really have a great year you're gonna win nine or ten games they're gonna make they're gonna make another team earn their conference it's, championship. it's gonna be it's gonna be rough to go up there and play you don't want to that's a team you probably don't want to see every year they're gonna upset people yeah. that shouldn't be you know that maybe have a little bit of a weakness yeah. here or there it is what it is oh you set up to dominate this conference we know that They've done if it the they last make the four right or five years. On defense, yeah. It's about, but I think it, it, it's time, and not to say that it hasn't always been like this, because you know you come to a school like Oklahoma, you're expected to win a national championship. But if they really want to get serious, you have to start making that jump at some point because you're gonna not lose respect nationally, but there's always gonna be people in the back of in the back saying, "OU does this because they play in a weak conference." I'll tell you why it's gonna happen, and this is hard to say. Because you guys know how much I like Bob. But the reason it's going to happen is because Lincoln Riley came in here and said, recruiting is all on my shoulders. Whether we recruit or not, at at an elite level, I'm going to be the one responsible for that. Whereas Bob, he knew recruiting was, was, was a big part of it. But I also think Bob wanted you know people around him to do most of the legwork and so he could fit kind of like the traditional role is with a head coach everybody else does the legwork he finishes it off and to say that lincoln that's riley not going to be different all. in year 15 year 18 for lincoln riley would probably be a little naive to say don't you think like this is what you get when you have a young yeah, dynamic that, energetic like, recruiter like josh said between 04 and 06 that was the height of Bob, probably. Yeah. Is and things changed, and he didn't roll with the punches in terms of the social media stuff. Well, I, to say that shit changed from 2005 to 2000, you know, 18 or 15 yeah. or 18, where we are now, it's changed every year drastically. Josh, continue. oh yeah, oh I mean, guys, like 04, their pitch to Adrian Peterson is we'll win with you or without you. Like that, I mean, like that, a kid now would be like that. That's all you got for me. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. Like, I, I guess I'll win. I'll go somewhere else. You can win without me. Well, so like that, that, that just because that's not how that works anymore. Well, you know what? Um, I, Oregon will win with or without me, but I'll get a bunch of cool shit. Yeah, yeah, for along sure. The way. Um, but you know, Carrie, and you brought up a really good point. It's something I like. We've talked about it from a different angle, but I've never thought of it this way. Imagine. And I mean, obviously, we're having to imagine Bob firing Mike, which is by the way, Mike, enough out there. Mike Gundy's having the same problems right now at Oklahoma State oh, that Bob yeah. had because he's got the same attitude. And that's why yep. I, I've kind of gone on record saying that I I think that if you would have asked me six months ago who was going to be at their uh, respective school longer, I th- I think Mike Gundy, I thought he was going to be a lifer. Mm-hmm. I think we're getting towards the end of the Mike Gundy era at Oklahoma State. I think you're right. It, it I think you've got two years. It's very similar. I think he's going on the same trajectory as Bob. I think by next year when Gunner graduates, I wouldn't be surprised if the, I wouldn't. And guess what? If you make, I wouldn't be surprised make, if the Liberty Bowl was Mike Gundy's last game. Four million, five million dollars a year over ten years. 
Who needs to put up with that shit if it's not in your yeah. wheelhouse anymore? And you're living in Stillwater, Oklahoma. It's not like the cost of living is all that brutal. You could buy, you could build an incredible house and not spend, you know, one fiftieth of that. Yeah, no doubt. So, but no, what I was saying, Carrie, you kind of took me on an interesting angle. I'd never thought of it before. Imagine Bob firing Mike, and then what happens to that defensive class if Bob is still in charge? Yeah. It's a very different story just because like you said, Bob wanted to be the closer. He wanted to come in and we'll finish you. I'm here, man. I'm your head coach. I'm going to love you. I'm going to take care of you, all that stuff. And I always thought Bob was sincere about that kind of thing, but he didn't have the relationship when he walked in the room and Lincoln always does. And I talked with it, all those guys this uh, weekend in Orlando about what Lincoln told them about what was going to happen on defense. And it, it, Guys, he didn't tell them anything that he hasn't told you all in press meetings. Like he just says, "It's just that you know, like them. it's going to be good." And they're like, "We trust Lincoln," and that's it. Yeah, and and and, but, and the key was he was the one delivering that message to him. Exactly, because he they know him and they have a reason to trust him. And so when he says, "Trust me," they do rather than, "Hey, I just met you, Bob Stoops." I don't know that I do trust you. And you know what? The, these recruits, they look at Nick Saban like a god. They look at, at Dabo Sweeney like a god. They look at Lincoln Riley like like he is football. Like those guys are football. And they're talking to me just like my high school coach talks to me. They tell me the, th- the, the they probably tell them more than a lot of these awkward high school coaches like if you the ones that you guys had that I had that you know, you could barely carry on a conversation with them because it was just so weird. Uh he's probably the f- uh, for a lot of those kids, probably the first coach they've run across that's just like another dude to them. You mean your high school coach said, you know, only the strong survive as well, and like <laughs> threw, you know, like threw water cups at you. Yeah, yeah, we all had that. Yeah, always awkward walking into their office and trying to talk to them about something. Oh yeah, I, I can remember a lot of those conversations. I remember. Yeah, that we won't we won't go into the football glory days, but yeah, there was there was some, always a weird conversation or two in there. I'm gonna say, guys, uh, really proud of everybody. It's been a great week uh, for the site, even though we've had some Twitter spats with people over the results of the game and over the use of being a poor. That blew up in my face really big. Well, I doubled down with you if that made you feel better. You know, I mean, we we had solidarity between the two of us. Poor people are going to be poor. That's not economic, it's, though. Yeah, like, I get it if you're not a member of the site and you literally cannot afford to pay for it. That is, there's nothing wrong with that. No, I that's get it. the definition of poor. Being I, here's the up, thing. But and, see, but and this, being a poor. poor is a noun. Yes. Being poor is another thing altogether. It's a state of mind. It's not a, it's not a status. I don't want to pay for that just because I don't want to pay for it, Which, even though it's got something I know I want. And here's the, the ridiculous thing about that attitude in this day and age. Like, I have Netflix. I just canceled Hulu, but I had it forever, and I never watched anything on it. I've got a thing called Lynda.com. It's like 25 bucks a oh. month. Do you know what that is? No, but you, I mean, you have access Lynda.com to just sounds racy to it's, me. It's, I'm, I'm it's for it. L-Y-N-D-A.com. Oh, the why? Oh, that's for sure pornography. Uh, yeah, it it brings all the porn. It like brings Pornhub and YouPorn and all those together. It brings you the... <laughs> It, it saves you the I, best videos of the year. I got I got our company a subscription to lynda.com. Have you ever been on there, Eddie? I've looked at it. So like you can all to, look at the porn? to try and help Eddie learn more about like After Effects and Premiere Pro and all that stuff and I use it to kind of dick around with computer programming stuff. But it's so you a, want Eddie to make the porn? Okay, we're I'm so stop. confused. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying people have subscriptions to all kinds of stupid <laughs> crap. All right? <laughs> it's not it's like what society do you live in when you realize that a, a $10 monthly subscription service is like some revolutionary thing that they need to revolt against like and they act like it's some new age idea no your parents paid for the newspaper every day of their yes. life like it's, it's we're the same thing I went into Except- the couch all the time to get 25 cents to go get a paper, and I know, Eddie, it was 50 when you were a kid. Put it so. this way. I'm, I would imagine that people that bitch about that kind of stuff didn't even go to OU, so you know what? Well, we know one Can that I say? Can I say it? Uh, what? F- <laughs> 
I, I, I got into that with somebody that were like, oh, you, you guys, you know, you shouldn't alienate. Our side is not for everyone. If you can't take a joke and, like, laugh at you're probably not going to love the site. Like, it's not – this isn't, like – this isn't brain surgery. Look, We're we talking came, football. We, okay. came, we came to terms a long time ago. There are 85,000 people in the stands every weekend. We don't have 85,000 subscribers. Oh, we'd love, we'd, love, we'd to. love to. And we would be the we, biggest media organization. We would be CNN. We would have a tower. <laughs> and We would build we'll a, a new tower yeah, we'll have in an downtown office on Norman. Campus Corner. We would be like Barstool for Oklahoma football only. That'd be cool. Oh, we would be way bigger than Barstool. We would be you like... How, I don't know how big they are. I guess I assume they're like... Couple, I assume they're like if 150 $85,000, that's $8.5 million a month. Oof. Tell you what, Sorry, we'd be doing... I'm going to need a minute. I'm getting all be, flush. We'd be here. doing more than just giving you bowl coverage. Or it's $850,000 a month. We'd have a serious satellite radio station. It'd be awesome. Damn it, now so we we'll just math. We'll just settle for the, uh, you know... Half of the stadium. We'll, listening. Half of we'll listen to yeah. half of the stadium listening to us every week on the Look, podcast. I'll tell you this: if we get eighty-five thousand subscribers, hold on, I'm doing the math here. Oh, it's eight hundred fifty thousand dollars a month. It's not eight point five. That's why we're still working that's on why it. Why that's why we're, we're still why working we're sports on sports writers. <laughs> uh, we would help with the West Side. All right, we would. We would if if the NCAA would allow that. If OU compliance would allow that. Just saying. Hey, we, we, we could make a nice donation to the press box. If we get, I'm just telling you though, if we get to thirty thousand, we fall short. Screw you guys. Yeah, that that's not going to do at all. You <laughs> bunch of cheap asses. <laughs> you pores. <laughs> anyway, um, no, shamed all the people that listen to us and love us. My initial my initial thought was, I I really appreciate all the work you guys have been putting in. It's been a, a great season. I know it didn't end the way that people wanted. I know you won a national championship. But you're going to have two statues put up on game. And that's going to be the interesting thing. Lincoln Riley's really going to get a lot of mileage out of these next two statues. Absolutely. You're going to have some... I would imagine they'll do everything they can for the spring game this year to be Baker's statue, just like it was Bob's last yeah, year. I can see that. Absolutely. Do you think that they will make a point... Like, Lincoln's like, we're going to be like arm-in-arm on your statue, Baker. Like we're gonna like he's gonna work his way into it. Like they'll just be a little like he'll be off the side of the statue. It, it, there's got to be some way where he can maximize his a, uh, presence. Maybe do it like Harry Carey's freaky ass statue. Just have oh. like souls coming out of the bottom of it, and one of them's Lincoln's head. <laughs> have you seen that statue, Eddie? I don't know what you're talking about. Look up it's Harry Carey's statue. It's not good. It is. It has children like coming out. It looks like he's swallowing the souls of children and people. Sometimes he might have. Someone hated him that made that. Oh statue. yeah, I, see, I have seen this. That is weird. It's creepy. Anyway, um, no, I appreciate everybody listening uh, to the post game podcast. Uh, it, it's really grown throughout the year. And again, thanks to the sponsor of Eskridge and uh, Coop Ale Works uh, and everybody else, Choctaw Casinos and Durant. So. Uh, we'll be back again with an unofficial 40 this week. We'll figure that one out as well. Uh, get some more into San Antonio uh, and some more of, of Josh's thoughts with Orlando as well as tracking that defensive coordinator hires. And we still have a lot more content coming uh, from our trip to South Florida as well. So thanks to everybody for listening, and uh, we'll see you guys next time uh, right back here on Soonerscoop.com podcasts. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Josh is always keeping us in line.